You're listening to Two Therapists in Therapy, a podcast about self-acceptance, self-love, self-growth, and connection. I'm your host, Sarah Brill, a licensed clinical social worker, licensed marriage and family therapist, and EMDR trauma therapist, and an Enneagram 4. And I'm your other host, Becca Moravec, licensed professional counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist, and certified intuitive eating counselor, and an Enneagram 2. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Becca. We're back. We're back. Oh my gosh. So much has happened in the last, how many months? Like almost four months. Four months. It feels like it's been way longer than that. Yeah, four months. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's wild. I feel like my whole entire sense of time since having a baby has like I mean, that's morphed. a third of a year. Yeah, that is a third of a year. A so it is a long time. It is a long time. Yeah. And you're a mommy now. Uh-huh. We get to be parents at the same time. So exciting. It is exciting. I'm sure that theme will be way more infused into our into our work on this podcast. Yeah, it now. feels like it. I mean, it feels like it in my work in general. Just it's what it's what we're immersed in. Yep. Totally. Oh my gosh. Well, I can't wait to to ask you all kinds of questions about motherhood and your um journey into it. And, um, also just so crazy really quick today, we are recording on June 1st, which is our three year anniversary of starting this podcast. I know. And we didn't even plan that. No. We so just crazy. Woke up today and realized. Yeah. That's amazing. Three years of this project. Yeah. It's so cool to have kind of walked through so many of life's ups and downs and been able to have a creative process to help usher us through all kinds of things that we've both navigated in yes. that period of time. Wow. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I'm sure our listeners are dying to know. Tell us all about um, your baby Zelda's entry into the world and how you're feeling and what it's been like. Yeah. So my little one, Zelda James, was born on March 14th. Um, I was 41 weeks in one day, um, pregnant. And for those of you who don't know, gestation is 40 weeks. So she, she just took her sweet little time. Um, and it, so she's 11 weeks when we're recording this and it has been the most beautiful thing of my life. Um, I know that's, I think that it's been up and down as it is postpartum. And I know that my experience is just my experience, but my experience has been that I, um, it's everything I ever imagined and wanted. And I, uh, yeah, I just love this little one so much. That's so exciting. Yeah. Say, say more about it being such a beautiful experience. I just, there's so much in life that you want when you want it. And my journey was not that way. I mean, whose of us is, whose journey <laughs> is the way they want it to be. And it just, you know, life can only be understood backwards and it just feels like perfect timing. Like I always wanted 
a family and I always wanted to be a mother and, but I wanted it in my timing and that was not the timing that was meant for me. And the timing is perfect and beautiful. Um, I think that who I am since three years ago when we started the podcast is so different. And like, I'm just prepared to be Zelda's mom in a lot of ways that I wasn't before. Um, and it just like beautiful moments of like, I don't know, sitting on my front patio porch while um, my partner was planting flowers in the front yard and um, my daughter was in her little bouncer and I was like, oh, I always wanted this, you know? Mm, so, those moments are so special. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like you said, life doesn't often go according to plan, but then when there are those moments where something that you want comes to fruition, it can feel really profound. Yeah. And I had this wild experience um, of when a baby's born, they um, oftentimes go uh, to the breast for like automatically, like intuitively. And that wasn't the case with me because I had an emergency C-section. And so I was like really, I was pretty upset that I didn't have that. I had kind of planned to be really flexible with the birth plan and everything like not really having a birth plan, just having things that I would like if it went that way. But the one thing I hadn't planned for was not being able to have her on me right after birth. Um, And so that was like delayed a little bit. But then when she started nursing, I had this overwhelming feeling. So this was like an hour after she was born. Um, And I had this overwhelming feeling of like familiarity um, and I don't, maybe we'll talk about past lives another time, <laughs> but I was like, oh, I have felt this before. That was the only thought I had in my wow, mind. That's crazy. Um, and so that's been really, that's been really cool. A really cool part of, um, new motherhood for me. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the journey into motherhood looks different for everybody. And I think it's really cool to reflect on the moments that really stand out. I'm curious, what do you feel like the biggest lessons have been for you um, and biggest moments of awareness so far have been? I mean, I think the biggest lesson feels like a really cliche one, which is like um, like just major flexibility, just like going with the flow. And I feel like I'm in a place in life where I can actually like lean into that Um, and from birth to yeah, it's just like figuring it out. I'm going to go back to work in a few weeks here and just really having to be like, okay, like we're just going to have to be adaptable. And um, so it just feels like a constant like flexibility maybe that is being asked of of me. Um, I forget the second part of your question. And any like moments of awareness? Mm. Um, Like anything that's hit you in a different way now that you are a parent? That feels like just a different, yeah, different level of awareness, just having had this life-changing experience. Yeah. Um, I want to think about that. I don't know that I have an answer on top of my head, but it's making me think of um, the awareness that I'm having. I don't think this is exactly what you're asking, but the awareness that I'm having of how intuitive babies are, like they just like ask for their needs to be met and like our job is to meet them. And that's such a privilege. I just feel so excited to, to give that to her, but it's just 
I think it's just the most beautiful thing that they're like, I need this and I'm going to ask for it. Um, and I'm not going to feel like I'm a burden and I'm not right. And then certainly they'll develop their own stories and narratives. Um, but like, I, I feel like my job as a parent is just do my best to meet their needs without worrying about what narratives she'll create later on in life. Um, but right now I just want to like really cultivate, um, her voice, which is her cries right now. So I think another cool thing is that I have I have never felt um, frustrated with her um, because I reframe it um, is that she is just communicating a need like and that's she's doing such a good job communicating a need and even when I can't quite figure out what it is like she she's trying to communicate with me and I just appreciate it. Yeah, it's so wild how. Um, there are no defense mechanisms yet. Yeah, that's what I mean. Developing for a baby. Yeah. It's like I was working with somebody yesterday and just um, we were talking about defense mechanisms and we were talking about numbing. And I was using the example of how babies just they cry when they're hungry or when they're sad or they're scared or they're in pain or they're tired. They just have no they have absolutely no judgment and no idea what judgment even is. They just go straight into expressing and um, just how how that is just proof that, the, that somewhere deep down inside of the adults of all of us, we still have access. Maybe we don't have ac- – we feel like we don't have access, but there's a part of us that can still be that responsive and how I, how important it is, I think, for us to always be trying to – tap into that part of ourself that has such a pure response to any sort of input. I love that. It's such raw information. Yeah. My therapist um, is a somatic therapist. And so we talk a lot about like body motion and something similar. Um, He was telling me about like motions we make, which are like yielding, which is kind of like relaxing in, right? When she like just falls asleep on me or it's just really comfortable pushing, you know, she arches her back when she wants to get away or is uncomfortable pulling in, like receiving. Um, and there's a few others that I can't remember off the top of my head right now. And he was saying like how babies just do that so easily. And he was asking me to notice in me. And I was like, oh, everything except for pushing away feels really awkward to me. Right. And so at some point I learned or like it was hard to yield or it was hard to take in um, and just like trying to get in touch with that baby inside me that like knew how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it just makes me think about just how so much of movement and expression is so, is so natural and how we get more and more locked up as we grow and evolve and how so much of healing is like rewiring that to get back to that place of just natural expression. Yeah. It's so cool. Sai does this thing, his newest thing lately, just in terms of like um, those body movements that you were just describing is he'll, one person will be holding him and then he'll see another person that he loves and he'll reach out for that person. And then he wants to come back to the person that was initially holding him. And then he wants to go back and back and reaching. That's one of the somatic things is reaching. I don't know if I said that. He reaches, but it's so cute because it's like, oh, I want to go to this person I love. No, back to that person I love. No, this person I love. And it's just so like not 
coming from a defended place. It's coming from this like open reaching place of safety. It's just yeah. like really cool. So that is anyway, so cool. we could probably nerd this. This hasn't yet become a parenting podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should um, segue into what we wanted to. Well, anything else quickly that you want to share about this transformational experience? Because I do think um, birthing, the birthing process is not just um, about giving life to a human being. It happens in all sorts of different ways and um, for all different people. And I'm just curious, like you went through this massive transformational experience of, of birth and just curious if there are any other reflections you have on a more universal level and no pressure, but. Yeah. I would say that maybe the process of birth isn't just the timing, like isn't not just those hours of birth, right? There's the labor, there's the contractions, there's an emergency surgery, you know, you know, and we could run with these metaphors probably all over the place with whatever you are birthing in your life. And then even the postpartum period, I think, is a part of the birth experience. So, um, you know, they talk about babies being in a fourth trimester, like um, babies, like gestationally, like should actually still be in the womb, like human babies, because they're so like, um, they can't do much, you know, that other mammals can do when they're born. And they say for about three months, like just to think about it, like they actually should still be in the womb. So they have a lot of needs, right? Because they're like, what am I doing out here? And I kind of feel that way for me as well, right? Of just like giving myself the time and I'm still in it, right? And not feeling like the pressure to have it all figured out because I don't. And when I put pressure on myself, I get really overwhelmed and sad. Like when I was thinking about how am I going to leave her and go back to work? Um, I would, I got like super anxious and super sad and super moody. And when I give myself permission to be in the fourth trimester and say like, Oh, I'm still in the birth process. Like, yes, she's come out of me, but we are still figuring it out. Um, I don't know that self-compassionate stance, um, helps. And I feel like maybe when we're adjusting to anything, we need to give ourselves that compassion of like, just because like you made the leap doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out. Yeah. You're on totally new terrain Yeah, in every way in your life. And it's like, finding your footing and like getting used to the new scenery. Even if you love the new scenery, it's like, whoa, this is a little disorienting. Yeah. 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 And so like my encouragement would be to give it a minute. And when, or, I, like, and when I say a, a few minute, minutes. I mean, I mean that, yeah, figuratively. <laughs> That's what I keep saying to myself. Give it a minute. Or as Brene Brown says, um, uh, FFT. What's that? Fucking first time. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Like, oh my God. Give yourself some space. Ugh. When I think back to like the me right after I gave birth, and like I just have this moment that's like seared into my brain of being in the, the, like my hospital room that they took me to afterwards. And I was in so much pain and like I was so exhausted. And I literally felt like I had been hit by a Mack truck. And I was just like, what the fuck? have I done? Like it was just this like deep sense of like, is this ever going to get better? And um, I just feel so much compassion for that person. Like it just, it got so much better. And also like you said, fucking first time, it's like, you just can't know what you, 
you have no perspective on whatever it is that you're going through. And for me, I just feel like that's how doing anything for the first time feels. It's just like you're just so in it without anything to compare it to. Yeah. And we talked about, you know, this is our three-year anniversary of starting this podcast. And we talked about that as a birthing process. And it felt like that to Sarah and I, that we were like birthing this um, this creative project. And I think we felt like this for a while after we released our first episode. It feels really similar. We totally freaked out, yeah. remember? Yeah. We, we should talk about that for a we minute. Would, we would, well, first of all, we'd release it and we'd have anxiety and like we would feel really vulnerable and then we would record and we would re-record and we would re-record and we would listen and we would like pick apart. Um, and so it's just, it's interesting. So yes, we're talking about birthing a human, which we did. Um, but we're also like, I mean, I think they've got it by now, but we're like, I hope you can relate <laughs> this to whatever in your life because we, yeah, that's that fourth trimester after the initial launch of the podcast. It's like we were kind of like, is the baby dead? Yes. Is, it, is the baby still awake? Uh-huh. Like, what did we feed it okay? Like, I don't know. I just felt like we were constantly taking the temperature of the baby uh-huh. when, uh-huh. when we first started the and podcast. We, and also I'm like making so many connections now because we were like parents to the podcast and there's been like moments you know parenting together so for my partner and I it's been mostly connecting but there's like moments of major disconnection that are hard and we would do that too I mean we would like cry mm-hmm. we would like, like every recording session was like this <laughs> very big, dramatic it was like this big thing mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah like even pressing record it was like okay are you ready yeah <laughs> okay okay go and then we'd spend time after listening and then we'd uh-huh. sometimes scratch the whole podcast uh-huh. and start over It's intense. It was. It was really intense. So, and now it's just more fun. Yeah. Because we're used to it. Yeah. Yeah. So so maybe that can be also an encouragement to, if you're in the fourth trimester of birthing anything or any sort of adjustment, like. Just be gentle on yourself. Gentle with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself a minute. Yeah. Being a beginner is hard and it's also so sacred. It's like. I don't know. Whenever I look back on being a beginner at anything, it just feels like such sacred time, but it's so hard to actually um, honor that when you're walking through it. Yeah. At least for me, it is. It's always like so hard to appreciate it. Oh my gosh. Being a beginner is so sacred. Yeah. Can um, I, t- can I share one other memory? Yes. Or are we going on? Am I no. going on and on? I just, I, these funny moments keep coming to me from like being brand new postpartum are like literally a week after Zai had come home from the hospital, our sink exploded, like the faucet. I remember that. And I was like not wanting to see anyone. I was getting used to breastfeeding. I ended up pumping mostly, but at the time was still trying to, to figure out breastfeeding. It was very stressful for me. And I was like living in a robe and did not like just didn't want to see anyone aside from Marcus and the baby. And my father-in-law had to come over and I was like hiding in the bedroom and in there for like all day. And I was just like, oh, my God, like this is never going to get better. I'm just going to live in my bedroom for my whole life. And it's just so funny looking back on it. Like it just was such a moment in time of like adjusting to all of these new things, like this new body, this new experience of like feeding a baby, like this brand new human that's here for the rest of your life. Like 
just everything about it is like so brand new and also like in hindsight, so sacred and also hilarious. It's just, I don't know. So fun to look back on moments like that for some reason. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, we had some thoughts about things that we wanted, um, to talk about today that, um, I think are probably like more deeply inspired by both of us being new parents as well. Um, just given all that's been transpiring in our society over the past six weeks, yeah. the Roe v. Wade stuff and then the shooting in Buffalo. And then most recently um, this shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, just, yeah. Um thinking about kind of this, it seems like the state of crisis our country is in and, and sort of thoughts on that. Um, am I, am I getting that right? Or tell me sort of what you were thinking. Yeah. I just think we need to mention, not mention it. I think we need to acknowledge it. And it, you know, as you say that, I'm just thinking over the three years of the podcast, how much has like, like the chaos that's ensued has like kind of been constant. Um, you know, I can remember recording right after Ahmaud Arbery. I'm, you know, Brianna Taylor, George, I, George Floyd. Floyd. I'm just like, it's just been, it's been so constant. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's my thought. Yeah. And I think the feeling, at least from my perspective, and I want to hear what you um, think and have to say, Becca, on this, but my experience has been that a lot of people are feeling a sense of like complete and utter devastation about all everything that's been going on in our country. And then also this like feeling of giving up or like, I don't know if it's complacency, but almost like, what, yeah, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Like, and how do we even, where, where do we even go to affect change um, at all? Yeah. And I think that's a question that a lot of people are sitting with and feeling really powerless. Yeah, absolutely. Around. Yeah, I, you know, and so I don't, I, well, first of all, I don't think Sarah and I have like an answer. Well, maybe Sarah does. I don't have an answer, but I'm just thinking I was, a, I was deeply impacted by Columbine and to see this happen again and, you know, and have all the times in between, um, you know, I was sitting, Chad and I looked at each other and we're like, oh, so we're just like in a homeschooler, right? Like, we're like not sending our child to school, right? And I, I know everything's been said, like, well, then you can't go to the grocery store and you can't go to a movie theater. And um, I just, so I have felt that like powerlessness of like, well, what do we do? Um, and then, and in the midst of that, just like holding her tighter and like, being committed to like loving her more deeply and I don't know I don't have any answers I don't yeah I just feel like um the complacency could be like ignoring and and I don't want to ignore it because I do believe in a better world I think we have to believe in a better world to keep going um but I also feel the hopelessness of like being an individual who like doesn't really know how to make change Yeah. And I guess it's been bringing up this like larger philosophical question for me about conflict, 
where I feel like personally in 2016 when Trump was elected, um, I engaged in a massive conflict with my own family that was really um, kind of like devastating and sort of like ruptured my whole family dynamic into two. Um, And like in reflecting back on that time, um, I don't know that anything good came from it, from like really like going, like coming from this place of like raw, like anger and um, activism. And this is not me saying that I'm against activism in any way, but I'm, I'm having this like personal question about like, I've, I've been hearing a lot of people talk about like how important it is to like fight and, you know, lay down your body for what you believe in and that, you know, freedom and things like that aren't, um, one without like enormous self-sacrifice. And at the same time, just from my own life experience in the past eight years or whatever, it seems like facing conflict from such an aggressive place doesn't necessarily create a solution um, either. So I don't know, like, I think that's part of what feels so hard about things like this for me is like, I don't, I've come from a really like a place of activism and anger and it doesn't feel like it's solved anything. And then um, the question is, well, then where do we go from here? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. And as you were talking, I was thinking of like the balance maybe of like, I'm going to do think there are people, there are leaders in activism who are called to it who will not have balance you know, I'm thinking I'm, I can think of specific leaders in my mind who have led change and then but failed their families. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think they were called like on like a universal level. Mm-hmm. Like that was their that was calling. Their, that was their calling. And, yeah. I, and um, but I also think of the balance of like, how do we not be complacent and be like, oh, well, what can we do? But how do we also like stay like loving and positive and like impacting our community. Mm-hmm. And when I say our community, I, that can be like as small as like your home. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. Depending on what you're called to. Okay. Yeah. I think just to kind of like go back to even just like in hearing myself say that I'm not sure activism is the answer. I feel like an internal, like, cringe as I say that because I feel like it is so important to stand up for what you believe in. And I also am curious about like the collective um, like attitude or feeling towards conflict right now, because I just feel like we have been in a state of being so polarized as a country for like eight years now. And it just feels like um, I'm just, I'm wondering, I've just noticed it feels like people are less excited to engage in like a dialogue about anything. People, it just feels like people are more like, I don't really want to talk about it. Um, I'm curious if that's been your experience too, but I just, I feel like people are feeling powerless, helpless, and kind of like, I don't really want to go there. 
Yeah, I feel like I can think of all the people in my life that are like that. Are kind of like, well, oh well. Mm-hmm. Now, who used to be, you know, on fire or, um, or more passionate to speak or against things or for things. And so I think, yeah, I think they've worn us down and maybe that was the plan. Mm -hmm. Say more. I'm just, yeah. I just think when you make people tired and complacent, then the people in power can stay in power. And so I don't, I don't know that the answer is to like run ourselves ragged by, um, being that fired up all the time either. I just, I think I don't know what the answer is. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I guess I don't, I don't know that I'm like looking for an answer. I think I'm just more curious about like the idea of conflict. Yeah. And like is standing up for what you believe in, like when is that effective and when is it not effective? And maybe we can even talk about it on a more micro level and less like of a macro because I feel like the macro is so hard the to wrap so hard. your mind around. Yeah, it's so big. And- yeah. But like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do have a thought on that. I mean, and we kind of talked about this before we were recording of like conflict is useful in people who want to be in relationship with us and like are committed. Right. So like, is it worth it for me to bring up something you did to piss me off or a place we disagree so that we can work through it? Yeah. Because I know that you have the capacity to listen and I have the capacity to listen to you and we can have empathy and, um, understanding. Is it worth it when someone is committed to misunderstanding you? I don't know. I don't think so. Unless you just need to set a boundary and like close that door, like, like let that person know, like I disagree with you and I'm no longer going to engage with you, but like continuing to engage with someone who doesn't want to listen to you. Like who does that hurt? I think it hurts you. Yeah. And then I guess how do we, and this is, this is me just being curious how do you ever know when you're at that point with someone where you can actually engage in conflict? Maybe you have to try. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you do have to try and see. I mean, I think there's people like I'm thinking of someone in my life right now that I have like my own conflict with it. I'm not sure they know it. Is it me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I've been needing to talk to you and no, I'm just kidding. Um, and I've been like contemplating, is it worth it? Like, right. Cause it would be like, if I, if I decide to confront them and tell them how I've been feeling and they could hear me, we could have like a really cool relationship and we could be really connected and that would be really healing maybe for both of us. And I could address this with this person and they could reject it. They could not hear me. They could not see me. And, um, I would feel hurt and I just have to decide is, is the, is that worth it to find out? And I don't know yet. I don't Mm -hmm. know yet. Have you ever had an experience where you have really put yourself out there in that way and, and it all fall apart? Oh, that's a really good question. Can I turn? Do you have something? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's what happened in 2016 with oh, you my yeah with a family member where I 
I think I didn't know. I think I thought our relationship was safe enough to handle conflict. Yeah. And then I just spoke my truth and then it, I, I learned that our relationship couldn't handle that. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was devastating. Like yeah. it was, it was pretty earth shattering for me. And I think since that time I've been pretty gun shy when it comes to conflict, which is interesting because I used to be a very, like a person that leaned into conflict pretty intensely. Mm-hmm. And I'll lean into it with Marcus because he's my, like we can't, we have a lot of safety around conflict in our relationship. But even with friends, I'm less, like I used to be like, I have an issue, I'm bringing it, I'm bringing it up. And I, I sit a lot more with my feelings before I bring them up in all of my relationships since that happened. Yeah. I, I mean, if I'm being honest with myself, I don't know. I can think of relationships that have ended where I wasn't super vulnerable and I'm glad that I wasn't because I maybe would have hurt more. Um, And since I've grown into being more vulnerable, I've only presented that to people I already have established safety with. Um, So, I don't know. I appreciate how much conflict can bring two people closer. Like I just had a friend approach me with a vulnerable thing that she was upset with me about and it totally repaired our relationship, but only because I could hear her and I didn't take a defensive stance. Um, but I wouldn't have wanted her to do that if I wasn't a safe person Mm -hmm. because I could have really hurt her. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. And then I, sorry, did you have more to say on that? Well, I guess it leads me to like a bigger philosophical question because so I'll, I'll lead into a quick little story. Um, that's connected to everything we're talking about. So I, um, and I shared this with you earlier, but right after the Uvalde shooting happened, I went to target with, um, my husband and my little guy. And I, the whole time I was just in a really bad mood and feeling really cranky and like upset. And I wasn't really sure why. And then on the way home, it kind of hit me all of a sudden that the whole time I'd been in the target, I was, fixating on how we would get out if there was a shooter and also just looking around at all the little kids and feeling like, you know, just really sad for the world that they're all growing up in. And I was feeling really like overwhelmed by it and just started crying and feeling really flooded by my feelings. And so we came home and I knew I needed to do some journaling and just like grounding myself. And I turned on this Buddhist playlist that I have. And the song that came up, it was just a random song on Spotify was Love Is My Cure. And it was just like Buddhist flute music, but that's what it was called. And I was sitting with that thought, like love is my cure. And then I was thinking like, okay, so if love is the answer, like what is the most loving thing to do? Like, is love always just like, I'm I'm not a Christian, but this is a Christian saying, is it like always turning the other cheek or is it like, is it like giving someone the benefit of the doubt or is it leaning into conflict and saying like, Hey, here's how I'm perceiving you. Like, I, I'm not really sure. Like I feel, I'm just curious. What's that bringing up for you, Becca? I just thought that I'm just like, my mouth just was open. Cause I think that's brilliant. Like, cause that's like a, a question I use in therapy all the time. What is the most loving thing to do? Because the answer can be different. Mm -hmm. The the most loving thing to do can be to challenge someone. Mm -hmm. The most loving thing to do can be to give someone grace or 
compassion. Um, so I just think that's a brilliant question. Yeah. Well, thank you. We can, <laughs> we can thank the random Buddhist playlist that uh-huh. popped up on Spotify. Um, but I guess like, I'm wondering like, what is the most loving thing to do right now for our country, I guess, is like where I'm kind of at, like energetically, where are we? Cause I feel like we came from this space in like 2020 where like everyone was like, ready to fight and it just feels like we're in this different space now and I'm not really sure I don't want to be complacent and I also I'm personally struggling with like is is conflict the answer I don't know yeah I mean I think on a macro level like I I'm getting out of emotion here but it's like going to take organization and that kind of thing because I think that's like another thing is I feel really scattered Mm -hmm. um like we're all scattered Mm -hmm. that makes sense um but the most loving thing to do maybe isn't isn't to become numb to shootings and to stay involved and to stay hopeful um and sad and sad and not to just turn away Mm -hmm. and turn it off and numb out yeah even though i want to yeah yeah and bringing it back full circle yeah it's like to imagine how these things feel for a child who doesn't have the defense mechanisms that we've built up yeah, over many years of yeah. life's pain. <laughs> and then maybe on a micro level, the most loving thing to do is to like love the people in our life extra hard. Yeah. And like show up for people and, and like not become callous. Yeah. Like, And maybe this can lead into our encouragement. Um, Just something I've been thinking about a lot is like in every single interaction I have that's out of my house, like even though sometimes I just want to kind of like be in my own bubble, like smiling at people, complimenting people. Like I was at Orange Theory and the guy next to me gave me a high five and it literally made me feel good for my entire day because I felt like he told me good job like just doing the little things that you don't know have a huge impact but just help us to stay connected to strangers and that's so interesting because after so many tragedies people always circulate that Mr. Rogers quote that's like look for the helpers and I noticed that after these I haven't seen that circulating because I think we're just like oh my god Mm -hmm. are there helpers yeah and I kind of want, I don't know, maybe to to continue to look for that. Mm-hmm. And be that. And be that. Even though we're tired and we're scared and we're exhausted. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Well, it feels so good to be back here feels with you. It feels great to be back here with you. And congratulations on becoming a mom and a parent and your beautiful baby girl. Thank you. Zelda James, which is just such a rock star name. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see where this journey, this new chapter of the podcast leads us with a whole new dimension as parents. Yeah. Do you have an encouragement? I think, well, just my encouragement is, I think, to just be, um, it's it's that cliche saying, but it's a true one, to be the change you would like to see. And that doesn't mean you need to, um, you know, uh, protest at the Capitol, but it does mean like, just think about 
who you can reach out to and love and support and be kind to on the most micro micro level, the littlest things can have such a big impact. But also if you do want to protest at the Capitol, do that. <laughs> what about you? I, I didn't know that I would feel inspired again, just from this conversation. Like I, so my encouragement is to like, look for inspiration and be inspiration like by like how you show up in the world. Like I just feel like, okay, that that's a fire I can, I can get on board with. I love that. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. For feeling inspired. Yeah. That's awesome. So let's not be complacent. Let's be the change. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Signing off. 